ಸ್ಥಾಪಕಾಯಚರ್ಮಸ್ಯಮಸ್ವರೂಪಿಣೇ ಲಾಸ್ಟ್ ಕ್ಲಾಸ್ we were studying the 40th sloka of the second chapter of shrimad bhagavad gita what is the sloka neha abhikramana neha abhikramanasha asti pratyavayo navidyate swalpam apyasya dharmasya trayate mahato bhayat that about the karma yoga bhagwan is saying this very interesting thing that what that in this yoga there is no waste of unfinished attempt if you have started an endeavor in karma yoga and most probably you couldn't accomplish the goal but that doesn't mean that whatever you have already succeeded in you have to start again from the very beginning as it happens in our day to day life with all our so called worldly endeavors there's an objective aspect of all our worldly endeavors that if we meet a failure in the objective aspect then there two things happens this one is pratyavaya and another is the abhikramanasha abhikramanasha means all the steps which i have followed if i don't reach the goal all the steps which i have followed are of no use if i have to try again i have to try again from the square zero and from the very beginning just say that when you when our scientists are launching the rocket if it's a failure all the steps which they have followed they cannot start again from this just from launching they again have to start from the very first step of assembling all the components getting them and to the precision that all the work should go on and then only again they can think of launching the rocket in anywhere in the even in the present day the vaccination the vaccination uh they have developed a drug and all the so called the pharmacists or the doctors most probably think that this drug is going to act wonders it's going to be the solution and when they are testing first before the drug comes to the market they have to test on the various on various persons so about 100 case studies they do and if they find that the percentage of success is not quite high 
It's not 90%, 70%, 80%, 90%. The entire experiment is again a failure. If they find that the rate of success is just 50%. So they again have to start from the very first. In any uh, building construction, if the foundation is not strong enough, after they have built to a certain extent, it collapses. Again, they have to start from the beginning. So any endeavor, if there's a failure, we again have to start from the very beginning. All the steps which have followed are of no use. So that is called abhikrama, steps. So for our worldly affairs, if we don't succeed, there is abhikrama nasha. But all the steps which have followed, again, I have to start from the very beginning, from the very inception. And another thing which happens is pratyavai. And I'm constructing a bridge that was supposed to take me across the river. So much money was spent. And when the half work was done, the bridge collapsed. Or even when it is complete, the bridge collapsed. What happens? All the money goes west. You have to again start from the step one. And in the process, the money which you have spent, so much of resource you have spent, all is west. It was supposed to do something positive. Now the end result is something negative. So this contrary result is Pratyavaya. So all our worldly endeavors, as per the objective aspect is concerned, as per the result, the result has two aspects. One is the objective aspect and another is the subjective aspect. So in the last class we were saying that in Karma Yoga, the subjective aspect is more important. In all other endeavors also, there is a subjective aspect that though my experiments may be a failure, my worldly endeavors may be a failure, but in the process, the experience which I have gathered, the samskaras which I have developed to be focused in the work, to do the work perfectly, for that you have to develop a samskar. Even when we, are, when we learn driving, that we find that how the samskaras develop, that how the things which I was doing at the beginning very consciously, with full attention, look left, look right, then take the right turn, those things become instinctive. So this speaks of the samskara. So when I'm doing it again and again, when learning, I might have done a few mistakes, that might have damaged my car. I made some minor accident. So from the objective point of view, that was a failure. But is it a real failure? From the subjective point of view, that if someone now says that as you have met the accident, you shouldn't drive. So that's again a big mistake. Yes, that was an objective failure. But in the process of learning, the, the failure might have came. But I have already gathered this experience. Even this failure itself has created a mark in my mind. It will make me more attentive, more uh, cautious, more alert when I'm driving. Even that accident itself becomes a positive factor as for the subjective aspect is concerned. It will create a very deep, indelible mark in my mind that this was the thing about which I was careless. I have to be very, very alert in this regard. And from the next time, that accident itself as far as the subjective aspect is concerned, has taught you. You will find you have gained something. So now you will understand why Bhagavan is saying that Karma Yoga is such where there is no 
ಪ್ರತ್ಯವಾಯ ನೋ ಅಭಿಕ್ರಮನಾಶ ಸ್ವಲ್ಪಂ ಅಪ್ಯಸ್ಯ ಧರ್ಮಸ್ಯ ಇವನ್ ಇಫ್ ಯು ಹ್ಯಾವ್ ಪ್ರಾಕ್ಟಿಸ್ಡ್ ಎ ಲಿಟಲ್ ಟ್ರಾಯತೆ ಮಹತೋ ಭಯಾತ್ ಇಟ್ ವಿಲ್ ಸೇವ್ ಯು ಫ್ರಮ್ ದ ಗ್ರೇಟ್ ಡೇಂಜರ್ ಗ್ರೇಟ್ ಪೆರಿಲ್ ಸೊ ದಿಸ್ ಲಾಸ್ಟ್ ಫ್ರೇಸ್ ವಾಸ್ ಇಸ್ ದ ಥಿಂಗ್ ವಿಚ್ ಇಸ್ ವೆರಿ ಇಂಪಾರ್ಟೆಂಟ್ ತ್ರಾಯತೆ ಮಹತೋ ಭಯಾತ್ ಹೌ ಇಟ್ ಇಸ್ ಗೋಯಿಂಗ್ ಟು ಸೇವ್ ಮೀ ಫ್ರಾಮ್ ಗ್ರೇಟ್ ಪೆರಿಲ್ಸ್ ಇನ್ ಫ್ಯೂಚರ್ so that's the thing which we were we just touched in the last class i won't elaborate much because there will be scope for elaborating on these ideas again and again the basic idea is that whatever we do it creates a samskara that out of necessity that how we have developed all these obsessions in our life we find there are so many obsessions uh inordinate uh, this uh some likings which are so strong how it has inordinate attachments we have developed how we have developed it's the way the mind has tricked us the nature of the mind is such what i do today consciously out of necessity by repeating it again and again the it as if creates a road a path in my mind in the language of modern neurology it's called the neuroplasticity and once the path is created you forget the necessity just to traverse that path just to do it again and again becomes a pleasure all the things as in the last class we were giving that example this example we will be giving again and again that when the small child is not drinking milk the mother adds a little sugar and we find it immediately it has an innate liking for sweetness it will start suckling the milk so from the very birth it has all it has all it has the taste for something sweet now innate the word innate for instinct means nothing what's the reason behind it if i say it's instinct it's just a mere word what's the reason behind the instinct the reason is even now the natural scientists have found out that in the process of evolution from the food gatherers to food producers that's the human beings are our ancestors were food gatherers they never knew how to produce food they used to go to the forest to collect roots herbs fruits and it was a big challenge for them to find out what is nourishing and what is toxic in nature everything is there so in short time they discovered that anything in nature if it is sweet it is never poison it is going to nourish you it won't kill you other tests it said there is a doubt it may be poison it may be nourishing also but if anything is sweet it's invariably going to nourish you not going to kill you most probably they had no taste for sweetness it was just the out of necessity they started gathering sweet fruits sweet herbs sweet roots and in the process of feeding of just taking sweet fruit sweet herbs sweet root the path has created was created in their mind the neuroplasticity that repeated action 
has a liking for sweetness. Now, even beyond necessity, there is no necessity. We like to have sweet things. And that is the basic reason in the present world for all the lifestyle diseases. Your obesity, blood pressure, blood sugar, blood pressure, you will find is somehow linked with our this food habit, which we have developed because of our obsession. Sri Ramakrishna in the gospel says, Kamini Kanchan Maya is Maya. Lust and gold is the only cause of our delusion. And you may say it's something for the spiritual person. How can the world run without lust and gold? But what he's saying is very, very significant. You just open the newspaper. If there is any crime, if there is any scandal, can you find any other reason behind this, beyond these two? Either it is because of lust or it's because of gold. Money or lust. Why it has happened so? Both are necessity. Even if small bacteria, it needs two things only. It needs to take food and it needs to reproduce. It has to, to sustain itself and it has to continue through its generation. The life has to continue through generations, through procreation. So these were the necessity. This necessity from bacteria, from a microbe till the human being is common. We were pursuing it again and again and again. And it's a, such a strong mark, indelible mark in our mind. And that has created tremendous liking. So easily a person can be lured by these two things easily, very easily. Why it is happening? Because it has become an indelible mark. So by default, we have this. So here Bhagavan is saying that prayate mahatu bhayat. Try this. What? Whatever I action I do, I will neither seek nor avoid. Knowing it very well, the divine has kept me in certain situation of life to sustain his own creation. Through me, he has certain role to play. I, as an instrument, play that role. Therefore, there is no sense of doer. But it is not me who am doing. It is God who is doing through me. The common example which we give, the mother's love. We say mother's love. But is it the mother's love? If you just see throughout the world, you forget about human beings. Is there any creature which doesn't really take care of its siblings? There's a very famous uh, National Geographic video which has been viewed in millions that a crocodile is going to just uh, a small fawn is uh, swimming across, uh, a creature is swimming across the river and the crocodile targets it. The mother, the deer sees the that fawn will be in no time under the grab of the crocodile. And she comes swimming very fast in between the fawn and the crocodile she comes in between and just makes it sure that the fawn is safe and allows herself to be killed by the crocodile. If you search, you will find in that video, even in the animals, that mother's love. So is it 
the mother who love we say mother's love but actually we find the entire creation is bound that we are being created in such a way that the love is implanted in our heart we cannot get rid of, even by seeing a beggar a poor person you feel like donating some money and immediately the ego puffs up thinking that it is i who have given the money but just think just think with sub the objectively that seeing the beggar a type of compassion developed in your heart if we were created in a different way where there is no compassion just it happens with a psychopath if we were all psychopaths in the god's creation the aberrations prove that the creation is something different where these are the little aberrations a few it's not majority are psychopaths a few because of some mental aberrations are have no emotions it's easy to understand that as we know that how the emotions work when you see your house you feel it's my house immediately your emotion works there it's maybe an ordinary house but you feel seeing it oh it's such a wonderful place what happens with all the perceptive sensors of our brain when i'm perceiving something there is some emotional centers also for the psychopath these two never synthesize together it happens with there, there is this there are certain cases where seeing the mother the, ch- the child who has started developing this uh, this type of mental aberration they will suddenly say you look more like my mother but you are not my mother suddenly because of some disease that uh, synthesis is not happening the piecemeal perceptions are not synthesizing the emotion is not getting synthesized with the perception so looks like my mother but you are an imposter you are not my mother because the emotion is not getting connected so just say that all these things which are happening in my mind is it you who are consciously doing it it has been designed in such a way that when i perceive that emotion center gets synthesized with it to create that wonderful feeling of empathy and then then you just feel like giving something and somehow the ignorance comes that you think yourself as a doer it's not you are doing god to take care of his creation has given that love sympathy compassion in our heart through that he is working he is sustaining his creation so if we consciously now start uh, acting by keeping this in mind that i am the mere instrument in whatever situation god has placed me i am doing my activities just as an instrument of the divine neither seeking nor avoiding and doing it perfectly with all the faculties which he has given i still remember that in india i come from a state west bengal which was ruled by the communist government for about 24 years uh, more than the 30 years and i i was in school uh, as a headmaster in various schools i was there and had to go to various other schools to address the students and you know that uh, when the political the those the, those who are ruling the state naturally their representatives also used to come to address the students and when they are addressing the students sometimes it used to be a big challenge for us see the uh, i am not criticizing anyone 
you know very well all of you know that in communism that religion is very much uh, discouraged they say that religion is the opium of the masses so sometimes it was an open challenge to us especially seeing a monk sitting beside a communist leader the communist leader is to get more something uh, encouraged to speak something which was not relevant what's the thing i still remember that this the so called communist leader was addressing i was just sitting beside and what he was saying that you have to study hard you have the tendency that we were to uh, just before exam to go to some temple offer some flowers to mother saraswati and you think that she is the goddess of learning and just by praying you are going to get good marks but if a student who doesn't believe in mother saraswati but has studied very well and the one who has not studied and just prayed to mother saraswati whom do you think will get good marks so all the students naturally shouted together it is the one who has studied well it's very obvious so what is the need of believing in god when you have the you have the ability the capacity to do something by yourself so that was the gist of his speech and then i was asked to address so the students also that there was a curiosity in their face that now what he is going to say so then i told them a story a very interesting story the story goes like this that in a village in a village in the mid of night because of heavy downpour heavy rain the dam the mud dam by the side of the river developed few cracks and the water started flooding the village through those cracks the water started flooding the village a few all were all were asleep at night so most people didn't notice a few came to notice that and they were frantically running around the village waking up all and shouting and saying immediately immediately vacate the village go to some safe place the village is going to be flooded in no time so all were fleeing the village with whatever little things they had they were trying to flee off and there was a devotee of god a devotee of krishna he had a nice image of krishna and he was sitting there holding its feet just sitting there calm and quiet and praying to krishna some of the other ones who were all warning the villagers to run alerting them they asked what are you doing run he told you well well if you feel you run i believe in krishna i know he is always there to save me i am just holding his feet i know he will save me so these people thought he is mad so they all all were running they left him they also ran now the water level started increasing it came up to the level of the knee so still you know the four wheelers they can still uh, you can drive them they are quite the height is bit more the engine is powerful so somehow the villagers managed to get a few four, few, few this four wheelers that there may be this there are children the old people who cannot run they got stuck up to help them out this four wheelers came they saw this man who was praying to the lord krishna they asked him get up on the car get up on the jeep so still they have still the same thing you don't bother about me i know god is going to save me so what to do they left with whomever they got the water level started rising 
it was almost up to the level of the chest, speed boats came. Only few peoples were left along with this Krishna devotee. So they asked him, he was still insisting, no, God will save me. So what to do? They left. At last he was about to be drowned. drowned. The water was uh, just up to the level of his neck. A helicopter came and threw a chain, long chain and told, hold it. We will pull you up. Still, he had this, he was really a staunch devotee. He told, no, God will save me. And at last, uh, this, the, the water flow was so strong, he was washed away, drowned and died. But after all, he's a devotee. After the death, the post-mortem existence, of course, is going to be Vaikuntha. So he was in Vaikuntha. But when he met his Lord, he was grumbling. You didn't save me. What the people will think that his devotees, are, uh, that being a devotee of is of no use. God doesn't come to save him. And then the Lord replied, my child, it is hearing your prayer. It is I who arranged those four wheelers. It is I who instilled in their heart that compassion. Let's take the four wheelers. So there, it is I who arranged the four wheelers. It is I who arranged the speedboats. It is I who arranged the helicopter. You availed nothing. What can I do? So when after that communist leader told that it is you who have to endure what? So I just told this story and told, yes, the belief in God is something, not just praying. It is believing that the faculties which I have is being given by God. Your power of concentration, your power of discrimination, what is good, what is bad. And based on the discrimination, you have your imagination that what's my future going to be? What I should do, what I shouldn't do to really reach that future. To have a, what you say that, uh, your willpower to reach that goal. For where you got those faculties? Did you think you have cultivated those faculties? It was within you, isn't it? So God has given you those faculties. Unless you have believe, have faith on those faculties, what can God do? And then there's a famous quotation of Swami Vivekananda, which I just quoted in front of the students. So Swami Vivekananda used to say, faith, faith, faith in yourselves. If you have faith in all the 33 million gods, and in all the gods which the foreigners have brought in your midst and still have no faith in yourself, there is no salvation for you. So faith in yourself because God has implanted all those faculties in me. So I have to have faith in myself. It's not that I, it is I who have developed those faculties. It is with me. I was born with all those faculties. So knowing very well that I have been placed in a situation, God has given me those faculties, do your best. And again, after doing that, expectation shouldn't be done, shouldn't be there because I am not the doer. It is God who is doing through me. He knows best what he wants. From my limited understanding, something, the outcome may not be something what I deserved. It may be something which I deserved, but I should always be aware of the fact that it is just by my limited understanding what I think. God has a greater purpose. 
he knows well in time what the this outcome is going to come from such small acts he only knows we just have to fill in the gaps that's our role so this is an attitude which we have to develop this is the attitude when you repeatedly for all of whatever actions i am doing i am not stopping my actions all the old actions were with that selfishness with a desire for results i am doing the same actions but there is only the correction in my attitude it is an attitudinal correction and it needs repetitive effort once i do this repetitive effort now the mind will be tricked the mind which has tricked me now i will be tricking the mind the limitation of after all the mind is just a machine whatever you do repeatedly it's a machine what's the how it's programmed that it will develop a path and once the path is developed you start doing liking that thing without forgetting the necessity whatever that necessity you forget just to do it becomes your liking the same thing is going to happen here you will develop a tremendous love for this selfless action your genes actually even these are the terms which we are not uh, using you have not coined from the science you will find that our genes are altruistic altruistic genes that in the process of evolution we have learned that to be selfless is a win win situation you win i win both of us win it may apparently appear i lose but actually we win in a very joking way uh, in a very uh, just, uh, funny way we can explain this win win situation uh, i re- read that is in some book it's a very funny ins- that what's the win win situation apparently i am losing but actually i am winning what so there was a hand wrestling competition going on and uh, what was the criteria that if you win the time is some 5 minutes the number of times you win in 5 minutes you get that much uh, that uh, means into 100 dollars so five times you win you get 500 dollars in 5 minutes if you win five times so now those who were all to have organized the game this the competition they made it sure that the opponent should be almost of same strength so that they cannot easily win they will try their hard that none of them can win but two contenders whispered something before this competition started and then all found a wonderful thing the one man was defeated and the next moment the other man was defeated what they told is you let lose once and i let lose you once so both were losing at the same time both were winning so they won the maximum number both won the same times maximum number of times he also won most probably 10 times he also won 10 times and took 1000 dollars both of them took 1000 dollars and when so this is known as win win situation you also win i also win so there it speaks of not take thinking of yourself always as the winner that to certain extent i do compromise my own welfare for the sake of others at last you find all have actually gained and that's the idea of synergy in mathematics 5 plus 5 is 10 but in the biological world it never works that way if you put a log uh, you know in 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 some creek say so a small narrow creek 
and to just cross over, most probably you have put some log over it. And most probably you just say it can take 100 pounds of wet or 100 kg wet. Now, if you put another plank over it, same plank, as per the mathematical calculation, it will have an idea that it will just can now withhold 20, uh, 200 kg. But it has been found always that it is not 200 kg, it's 300 or even more. The moment the two planks are placed one over the other, it doesn't sum up mathematically. Somehow there is a cooperation going on as if between them to give them a tremendous strength. As we were giving in the class plus the example of the redwood trees, the roots never go deep into the soil. It's very shallow, but those huge trees can stand the harshness of weather. How is it possible the tremendous storm, nothing affects them for hundreds of years they are standing there because all the roots are intertwined and it has created a strong base in the entire redwood forest to give them that tremendous strength. So this speaks of the win-win situation. We have dentists, the world doesn't have dentists. They simply do what you, they do, you know, they will keep their mouth open and just lie, just they will be idling, relaxing somewhere in the ocean. The small fish know it's the time when we enter the mouth of the well, it is not going to close. Because when there's the whales or the sharks, they have, they have, they're feeding the other creatures, their teeth also get stuck by the flesh. And it, uh, like us, for them also, there is a chance of infection. So how, but they don't, they cannot brush their teeth. So what they do, they just keep their mouth open. And this is the posture which other small fish know. Other times they're running away from it, but now they will enter its mouth and clean its teeth nicely. They'll clean it. They get their food. They also are getting their food. This speaks of synergy, win-win situation. Whenever the well is or the shark is swimming across the ocean, there are certain small fish who is like its subjects I will be following it. They're always there to clean its skin. The shark will never eat them. So these are the synergy which is, which has there's millions of such examples. It's not through competition. It's through cooperation, the entire evolution has happened. So you will find this love, compassion is something which is not me who am loving. It is not, compassion is not coming out from me. It is programmed in the design of nature. I'm just an instrument of it. It's a fact, but somehow because of ignorance, I can never relate to the fact the ego comes into the picture. Get rid of the ego, just relate to the fact. And that's the correct attitude. And when you practice again and again, this becomes a samskar. And now it will become a liking just to do good to others is something, it gives me a wonderful feeling. It is a just immediate cash down payment. That for the moment you help others, you're bound to feel that, uh, what is that, that feeling of like, happiness, joy, let go, relaxation. That's why we find in India, these practices, now the scopes are not there. I, I, in my childhood, I still remember, you know, because of the partition, my parents, and this, like many others, they have experienced the, all the 
effects of those evil effects of the partition. There were many beggars around. Now, of course, the things have changed. Almost invariably, every day we find someone coming to the door begging. Now, mother will take a plate of rice and pour it. That's how they used to collect. They will go to her, from door to door. Just a small plate of rice, if you give. So by collecting from five, six houses, they get their they get sufficient rice for just their daily sustenance. People used to give. Those who can afford, they were they used to give. But I still remember a very interesting thing. The beggar came, the mother will take the plate of, will just fill the, uh, fill the plate of rice. She could just go and give it directly to the beggar. But every day she made it a point, she will call us, the we, means the, all the siblings, my either me or my brother, and through our hand, she will ask to give it to the beggar. It's a wonderful thing because it's a cash down payment. A small child have a tendency to grab everything. But if you make him or her give something, the child is bound to feel that love. It is implanted. Once you do that, the child will develop that love of really relating to others through kindness. So that again creates that sanskara. It becomes stronger, stronger. And this is the thing which is going to save us. How? But when I live, when I'm relating to others through love, whatever happens to me, it doesn't affect me. I have developed that people may think, what a fool he is. He is losing everything and he's helping others. But people cannot relate to the subjective feeling, that wonderful feeling, the happiness for which we are madly rushing we don't get as long as we are self-seeking we don't get this is a big paradox we are all running for happiness we don't get it and someone made it a point that i will think of others happiness not mine and they are as if in heaven in spite of all the so-called the trials tribulations they are going through the joy they have out of it that cannot be experienced. That's why this world is an advertisement. What you see, and we are very fooled by the advertisement. It's by this outside lure, by the outside wealth, prosperity, we get lured that that is the most probably the way of life. But Sami, I heard someone speaking a wonderful thing, a rich man, a very rich man, extremely self-seeking, never thinks of other, is extremely poor because he has nothing apart from money. Has only money, nothing else. So much richness God has given us. We can enjoy the life by nurturing all this compassion, love, kindness. You can use all the skills or intelligence, everything, by relating to the world with a win-win situation. I am poor in all those factors. Only I have money. What a poor person you are. What will you do with that money? So that's the thing which Bhagavan is saying that trayate mahato bhayat. As long as you are self-seeking, constantly you are in the fear of losing. Because all our endeavors in life is having this fear. When I am endeavoring for something, as long as I don't get it, the fear is there, I may not get it. And when I have got it, again the fear is there, I may lose it. Your relations, your wealth, your position in life, everything has these two, this, uh, this two factors. Until I get it, fear is there. I may not get it. When I get it, still fear is there. I may lose it. 
once you develop this type of this abstract love no one can take it away from you whether it is love for god or whether it is love for god's creation not the creation as such segregated from god whenever i am relating to the creation i know it is god's projection with that idea when i relate and nothing is that i can lose i know that world is there where there is an infinite scope and opportunity for me to move out and relate to the world through service and then the world becomes something different for you though outwardly the hardships others may be seeing but you from the bottom of your heart you know that the joy the happiness that comes out from by being an instrument of the divine and nothing can give nothing can take it take it away from you that your psychophysical existence may fall off but your the real you that is enriched nothing can take so that in that sense trayate mahato bhayat in these other sentences if, if we don't relate in a correct sense then what happens in our life we feel oh i have faith in god with the faith in god i am doing my actions now everything should go perfectly if anything goes wrong oh these are all make believes these are of no use and my faith in god goes because i have not understood the words in the correct perspective it's not happening what happening objectively of which god has spoken of what is happening subjectively that's because after all this world with what all the self seeking whatever things i have i am not going to stay with them eternally as in the bible the jesus says worship the spirit by the spirit i am the spirit god is the spirit of my spirit the soul of my soul i have to always be aware of that this body this is a flow this mind this is a flow this will all flow off but the real me the soul and the god the soul of my soul this eternal relationship is always going to be there and to get enriched in that relationship he has given us the faculties to develop this detachment and that also through love that is no no dryness in such practice a gyani sitting for meditation can be extremely dry the love has dried up that also creates a type of detachment but think this type of detachment comes through love it's not a uh, forceful suppression you are not suppressing your faculties it is sublimation you sublimate them you are not relating to the world as the world you're sublimating your emotions you're sublimating your all the faculties so as to relate with the divine and that's how it can save us from the great danger and that's what the god was indicating by the phrase trayate mahato bhayat apparently i will be meeting with lot of hardships failures inwardly i will be enriched more and more and that's how i will be saved from all the perils and dangers so after that the next shloka that is also very interesting let's read the shloka and then we will go to the meaning vyavasayatmika buddhi ekeha kurunandana vahu shakha hyanantascha buddhyor avyavasayina vyavasai avyavasai these are the two words which which is very important here so vyavasayit atmika buddhir ekeha kurunandana vyavasayitmak means one who has 
single resolution, unwavering thought, one resolution. That is called Vyavasaika Buddhi. So, O oh, Guru Nandana, O oh, the descendant of the Kuru, O oh, Arjuna, the descendant of Kuru. So, there is only in, in those when, who have only that one resolute, unwavering thought. Uh, so, they are only can really think of succeeding in reaching the highest goal. And others, for most of us, are of Vyavasai. But the thoughts of the irresolute, those are having thousands of thoughts. They are many branched, unending. They can never reach the highest goal. So this, this buddhi, vyavasai and avyavasai, these are the two words which are very significant in this sloka. So let us try to understand that why avyavasai buddhi has bahu shakha, has so many branches. It's very interesting. From the, even from the modern psychological point of view, these this, uh, slokas, when interpreted, can re- makes a real great sense. So we find just, uh, you, we all can realize that how our mind have many branches. Suppose that uh, you get if it's time for relaxation, uh, that your works are over, you're immediately there are no uh, your family responsibilities. So you somehow have managed if time, if a slot of time where you thought you will be relaxing, just be by your own. And we won't allow even your this kith and kin, the children, no one to disturb you, just by your own, and you have managed somehow. Most probably sitting by the side of the river, sitting alone, and you with the plan to relax, you're sitting there. And now you realize it's not the small children constantly jumping around at your house who is disturbing you. The real disturbance is here. You find that with all the things gone, still you cannot relax. So many things are going on in your mind. One thought comes and then another thought comes from where they are coming, I have almost no control. I still remember that uh, when uh, in India I was posted to some northeastern state of uh, our India, in Arunachal Pradesh, uh, there was a school. The school was in the midst of the forest. It's a purely residential school for the locals there, for the tribals. But of course, in a residential school, it can be quite challenging. For 24 hours, you're staying with the students. Sometimes you get totally exhausted. So one guest Swami came and seeing me to be quite exhausted, he told, why not take a break, come. So much of uh, this nice scenic beauty is here all around. It's deep in the forest, the school is. The nearest village is seven kilometers away. Everything is the deep forest. And there are two rivers, which is the boundary. There's no wall. It was a 250 acres land and two rivers coming down from the mountain. They created the boundary. So that within that was our campus. So anytime you can go and sit by the side of the river, river coming down from the mountains, it's so relaxing. So as he requested, I went with him to just relax for the, for the time being by the side of the river. And unconsciously, after five, 10 minutes, I started speaking of all the challenges which I meet with the students. Oh, it's so difficult to. And then the Swami, after five minutes, told, 
Well, I brought you here to relax, isn't it? <laughs> so that's our mind. So I was taken there to relax and I find that all those things are in my mind. Bahushaka. Why it happens? In the process of evolution, just take from the bacteria. What you, you give a drop of nutrient, it will run towards it. If you give a toxin, it will run away from it. It has started developing the mind. What? That if anything is favorable for me, I am attached towards it, drawn towards it. Immediately the stimuli response is fixed. That for nutrients, I am drawn towards it. The stimuli gives that response. If there is a toxin, I run away from it. So as I have evolved, innumerable such mental modules have started developing hinge to the sense of limited identity. Even within that bacteria, that consciousness is non-local. But then local consciousness gets reflected in that small microbe body. It thinks, I am this microbe. And now it starts thinking, I this, this is my existence which has to be sustained. So towards the nutrition, that if I take food, then this body will be survived, that I survive. If I take toxin, it is I who will die. It's not the body, I, because I've identified with that body. And with that, the evolution has started. And with this, this flight and fright response, this one is the response for growth and another is the fight. And these are the three with which we were developing innumerable mental modules, all clogged to this, hinged to this I. And as a human being, there are such innumerable mental modules. And they all have fixed stimuli response conditioning. They all have fixed stimuli response conditioning. Very interesting. We think we decide. But modern psychology has many experiments to prove we never decide. It is the mental modules which are deciding. It's not we. Then and another interesting thing then, there are so many mental modules. At a particular situation, only one particular mental module will become active. Others are dormant. And whatever stimuli response conditioning is there in that mental module, we are bound to decide as per that response. But the mind fools us by giving us a thought, it is you who have decided. That is the propaganda. The left brain is the propaganda brain. That's a wonderful experiment. These experiments I find so interesting uh, that it speaks a lot that how our rishis have discovered this truth that when in the Vedanta they say you are neither the doer nor the enjoyer. And even modern psychology is subscribing to that fact. It's something which they have discovered very recently. They were speaking of in the such olden days that you are neither the doer nor the enjoyer. That you are not the doer. That is enjoyer factor we will discuss sometime later. Now that you are not the doer. I am the doer. Am, the, am I the doer? In the modern science, there are so many experiments which says that you are not the doer. We will just give that introduction today. We won't have much time. We will continue it in the next class. That what? That we are not the doer? There's a famous experiment. It's a very famous experiment of the Max Planck University. That a very simple experiment actually it is. That uh, there is a button which you have to press. The moment you press, there is a display board which will display the time when you have pressed the button. Now, the experiment is such that they will be with, with many people, they are experimenting the same experiment. What's that? They will ask the person to sit down 
and decide to press the button either with the left hand or with the right hand. And the moment you decide, immediately you press. So the time will be displayed. So now they will ask, have you pressed the button immediately when you have decided? So they all told yes, either with the left hand or with the right hand. That's your choice, just press, the time will be shown. So when this experiment was conducted, the brain was under scan, fMRI. And invariably average it has been found, the decision actually has been taken seven seconds earlier than the person thinks that he has decided and pressed it either by the right hand or with the left hand. That I decide that I will press with the left hand and immediately I press, I know when I have decided. But invariably it has been found seven seconds. So it is something they call spooky. That how then is it not we who are determining? If the con it is not, is it not we who are consciously determining? Is the determination happening by its own in the brain? So it was never understood that this experiment was there done about a decade earlier. But recently, the recent finding is something wonderful. For some person who have split brain, the left brain and the right brain, because of some mental uh, problems, there had to be this split, surgical split. With them, some experiment has been done, which is again very interesting. What's that? Suppose it can make pick such a person sit, one who has a split brain to sit in a position in such a way that he cannot turn his head. It is fixed. Uh, and now, uh, from the, what you say, the left side, there's a display. There's a display uh, that get up and move, get up and move. The displays in such a way that only the, sorry, there's a, what you say that uh, your left eye can see, the right eye cannot see. It's, it's there's, there's, as in the left, in such a way it has kept that you can, as you cannot turn the head with the left eye, you can manage to see it. The person gets up and starts moving. And immediately those who were conducting the experiment, they asked, why you got up? Why are you moving? They know very well that there's a split in the brain. It's a very interesting thing. He will say, he will find out some excuses. He will say, oh, I'm feeling thirsty. There's a fridge with some cold water. There's cold water. I'm going to get it. Now, this scientists were perplexed. Actually, this person has seen that display. Get up and move. He's moving and he's saying, I'm just going to drink water. Very interesting experiment. What has happened as there's a split between the left and the right brain, the right brain is autobiographical. Whatever it sees, it immediately, that's what it relates. It immediately, that's imprinted. But that has to pass on to the left brain. The left brain is the language brain. That this is the thing I have seen that has to, but as there's a split in their brain, somehow that message was not transmitted. It has actually seen the display. And there's a crisscross in the brain. What I see through the left is registered in the right brain. But uh, in our brain, there's a crisscross. Whatever I'm doing with the left, it is registered in the right. What I'm doing with the right is registered in the left. So for this person, as there's a split, what he saw with the left eye was registered in the right brain, which is autobiographical. It saw it correctly and that made him move, but it never reached the language brain, the left brain. The language, but the brain is developed in such a way, it's a big propaganda machine. Constantly it is doing propaganda. 
So it doesn't want to make others feel that I am a, something like a queer person. I don't know what I'm doing. The people will think that he's mad. He doesn't know what he's doing. Just his, his actions are something voluntary. He, his mind has no control over his body. So immediately the brain creates the language. And it not, not only tries to convince others, it tries to convince the person himself. That's why that we are so fanatic. When there is a fight between the two uh, believers, both feel our, our faith is correct. There's a football match going on. When the supporters fight, both think we have the strong reason to fight with the others. The other's team did the wrong. It always happened. You will find no one says I have done the wrong. In this world, you will never find even the criminal never says I have the wrong. My parents are responsible for what I am. Society is responsible for what I am. This strong bias is there because I have to prove and, there's like, and it's, it's not that they're speaking something false. They do believe what they're saying. The fight in this world is not between good and evil. It is a fight between perspectives, the way I see. It's never the fight between right and wrong. Everyone from his perspective thinks he's the right. And the other person is the wrong. So why we are saying this, this brain creates that split. And the brain, the left brain is the propaganda brain. It has the idea, it has the nature, has built up in such a way that I am the doer. So even psychology have started the understanding. It is I am the doer, so it is I who have decided to get up and there should be some reason to get up. So it's to drink the water. So the language brain has created this language. Then what's how the brain actually is working? That speaks of the idea of the mental modules. It's not we are deciding. As per the situation, a particular module gets activated. It has a fixed stimuli response conditioning. You are going to respond as per that stimuli. And the left brain, will, the language will just make a propaganda of it. Giving you a sense that you are the doer and try to make others believe that you are the doer. So that you can prove you are a beneficial member of the society. You are an effective member of the society. In modern psychological language, they call this as benefactance, beneficial and effective. So benefactance. So prove that I am a that I have that benefactance factor. That language brain is always there to as a propaganda machine. But the real that why this brain is is bahushaka, because these mental modules they need no commander as per the situation. A particular module will get activated. We all understand. We all find that when I am in office, I'm a different person. When I am at home, I'm a totally different person. When I am, I suddenly meet my school days friend, I totally become different. Even a 50-year-old boy, when he meets his school boys, he suddenly becomes that full of fun and frolic. And just even he, even without his knowing, he becomes like that. When you are in the club, you're your other friend, you're in party, you will find you're different. As per the situation, a particular mental model gets activated and you start behaving as per the response of that. It's not you, though you feel that it is you. It never happens. The entire world of advertisement works on that. The science of advertisement is to unconsciously activate your mental module. There's a crude example which we give all, uh, so many times previously that when they're Advertising a car, a beautiful lady standing by the side of it. What had she to do with the car? That the one who is advertising, they know the particular mental body will get activated and that will help to sell the car. 
nothing else. So it is not you who decide. It's the mental modules who decide. And they are Bahu Shaka. Through the process of or evolution, we have developed. So what's the way out? How to make it Vyavasaitmaka? That's the thing which God is giving an indication in this sloka. Make this Vyavasaitmaka. We are almost a helpless wreck. Our condition is like the, the nanny during the vacation, all the grandchildren are supposed to come. She's so happy that they will come. Now, when they have already arrived, all the grandchildren sitting around the nanny, and now nanny is tired of them throughout the day, they all want their attention. She wants to sit quietly. And now constantly she finds one grandchild gets up trying to try to get her attention, the other gets up, and she is now totally tired. So our mental modules are all like the grandchildren. And they are all, and this, with the ego, I'm sitting here. We're totally exhausted. Now this is getting up, trying to take my attention. Another moment, another is getting up, trying to get my attention. All wants to be pampered. In this situation, what's the way out? What, how to make it vavasaitmika? There are two ways. One is the Sankhya, another is the Yoga, which has been indicated by God. And how this Buddhi Yoga, which speaks of the Karma Yoga, how it helps to make the brain vavasaitmika. Sankhya also helps. But the way the buddhi yoga helps is something very natural. If you don't have to force, you don't have to forcefully like amputation. You have to not ampute. Just take the way the life is by attitudinal change. You can have that same incision in in a very what you say natural way. It just uh, in surgery we forcefully cut off. But when the scab which is formed on your wound for healing. You don't have to remove it. If you remove it, actually it will lacerate. It will fall off automatically. But you can accelerate the process by applying that ointment. So if Sankhya Yoga is like an amputation, Karma Yoga is like an, is like an ointment, which helps to accelerate the process of falling off of the scab naturally. How it happens, that again we will take up again in the next class and to describe that this idea of Vyavasaitmika and of Vyavasaitmika, which Bhagavan has brought up in this sloka, the 41st sloka of the second chapter of Bhagavad Gita. So with this, we stop our discussion today. Thank you all. Namaskars.